my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. It's Geek Stuff, TNG. What the fuck is a reboot? We're gonna be rolling out a lot of new things. Where the stars of this piece of shit? Oh, are you? I am the sandwich. No one of consequence. You can find me on Xbox at Fat Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what keeps going through my head? Where's my sandwich? To all who come to this happy place, welcome. I am West Coast Scott! How the hell did I get roped into this? Show me what you got. Scotty, beam me up. The force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev. Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired. I have Amigo Isis action figure. Almighty Isis. And here we go. Adventures through time and space. We are moving from Hawaii to New Jersey. Kev, you're in the same time zone as the sandwich. Now, I'm the only yep. one that's three hours off. That's true. Also joining us tonight for the first time, East Coast Scott. Hello. There he is, acclaimed author, East Coast Scott, uh, joining us from the literally the other room <laughs> from where I'm <laughs> I'm staying with East Coast Scott, so he's joining us from the other side of the the apartment. Uh, so yeah, East Coast Scott. Uh, we did toy around with a couple of other names. Sandwich came up with one called uh, Nega Scott, mm. which, which we were we were uh, we which we pulled from Scott Pilgrim. Then we said it a bunch of times really fast. Yeah, and, we and then like, HR nope. sent a memo to yeah, us. Yeah, HR was like, "Nope, that ain't gonna fly." So uh, he went back to being East Coast Scott. I do oh, like for that, a brief though. period there, he was Nega Scott. So at uh, New York Comic Con 2022, when I'm out there, maybe we can cosplay as Scott Pilgrim and Nega Scott Pilgrim. Wow, that would be weird. <laughs> I'll be Ramona Flowers. Yep, and that will, that will just destroy everything in my life <laughs> let's just I'll, I'll wear a different wig every every day too to really nice. drive home the effect oh you're gonna wear the same cosplay for an entire con that's just no you have to have a different cosplay every day and changing the wig, change out the wig. Count. That, that counts right? nah, that's not gonna count that doesn't, he doesn't count he doesn't change his regular clothes every day at the right. con you think he's gonna change costumes <laughs> yeah i i just love the idea that you're gonna wear a different wig every day to play the east coast scott who's bald Oh, I think he meant he was going to wear a different wig every day to play Ramona Flowers. I do like the idea of taking things that Kev likes and then ruining them by cosplaying yes, horribly yes. and making yeah. and, and just giving him that like nightmares that he wakes up in the middle of the night. Twenty twenty three, we're all the Joker and Harley Quinn. I'll be <laughs> That's Harley it. Quinn. That's it. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I'll even be the one from the animated series. I'll wear the the tight Harley Quinn outfit. That'll look fitting on me, right? That'll look nice. And you fitting can... fitting is not a word that I would use. <laughs> I you could still not, change wigs too. Fitting. I like not so. So all. you are prepared for 
New York Comic Con next week? Let's uh, let's say yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> let's let's pretend like everything else on this show. We've done weeks of preparation, hours and hours of show preparation for the big uh, New York Comic Con coming up. Uh, East Coast Scott is going to join us for that. We presume we presume at this point that we have a table and a, and a booth. I actually uh, I will post the, the booth number in the social medias uh, so that people can find us. It's something like 1860 or some, I don't know, some Civil War year. So, so uh, we're like, what's that? I'm trying to figure out because like last year we were 12 or last time we were like 12 something. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what's going on with this. And you know, and you know when we're going to find out, Sandwich Wednesday, when we show up, when we turn up, and we're like in some corner. What was it? One year? I don't think. I I think this precedes Sandwich's participation. Was it, was it OG Cat and I? OG? No, no, no. That was that was an entire no. OG and I showed up one year and we're counting the booth spaces off, and it's literally like we get to where our booth space should be. And there's like literally just like poles, like I mean, like ste- like cement columns where our space is supposed to be. So that was weird. And yeah, of course, the legend of Cat Shit Corner, where we arrived at our booth to find a steaming pile of wet, fresh cat poop in the corner. Yeah, that was left there by the whoosh that year, I think. Well, don't don't. Don't start picking fights between me and the Fwoosh because I'm trying to make peace with that guy because I'm a huge fan of his now. Yeah, but back then, know, back then, knows when he put the cat shit in, the when he put the cat shit in the Geek Stuff booth, I mean, that was, that was the start of the radio war. I am, I am, uh, I, I am dreading uh, the Patreon episodes where I make fun of the Fwoosh. Because there were quite a few where I, I had choice words for the floosh. So, yeah. And I'm a big fan of theirs now. I think they do really great. I'm not even exaggerating. I think they do great stuff. I think Robo is the best presenter in the business. I've said it to everybody. So, you know, just stop it. Stop, stop trying to start a war. I don't want a war with them. I like those guys now. Uh, but as producer, radio wars are good for listenership. No, they're not on the radio. So there you go. They don't even, I mean, they're like all video stuff. And the, the most we do is try to monkey together a, a, a live Instagram performance. <laughs> the podcast battles Badly. of the late 2020, of the early 2020s. It, it will wasn't be 2020. It will, no, I'm saying we're we're starting the new podcast battles now. But oh, I see. I guess no. you're right, though. It could be like the early 2007s. It, it, you know, could have been when that was. Probably, yeah. It was probably around. I don't even know. I don't even remember. I know why I did it, but I I don't know when. The best is going to be when Scott tells him like, "Hey, Kev, this is the week," and then he gets to just wait. <laughs> and listen to it at some point. On the does Patreon. Scott not tell Kevin and just let Kevin listen to it? I wish there was only one. <laughs> it will there be multiple. A, there's multiple. A multiple, multiple episode arc. times where I attacked, I attacked that outlet for being, basically for being sort of the apologist slash mouthpiece of Toy Biz. 
And at the time, uh, you know, I feel like that wasn't an inaccurate description. It wasn't a nice one. That was the point. And I, you know, I, I've, I've been humbled since. And not only that, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing now. If you guys are not checking out the Foosh, that guy Robo is that they do the Foosh. It's like Friday or Saturday. It comes out like the weekly where he talks about all the, you know, all the, the, basically the one, uh, one twelfth news, right. Or one six, one twelfth, one twelfth, the six inch scale news of the week. And he's brilliant. I think he's a brilliant presenter. So you should be checking him out. He knows his shit. All of them know their shit. Robo, Veebs, that other guy. They all know their stuff. Every show has an other guy. Every show has another guy. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, and tonight the other guy is acclaimed author East Coast Scott. Yes. So... <laughs> Welcome, welcome, Scott, sir. Uh, Scott C. Carr. I don't know if you do you pronounce the middle name when you introduce I, I, yourself. We're writing uh, Scott Christian Carr. Scott Christian Carr, and you can check out what where on Amazon. Amazon, yeah. Yeah, you can check out Scott's uh, post-apocalyptic work uh, works on there, and also didn't you write a book with the famous Andrew Con uh, Conry Murray? Didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was one. Yeah. The, one of the thrills of my life to work with uh, someone like Andrew. Um, we yeah. We wrote a post-apocalypse novel called Wasteland Blues, and um, yeah, I'm not going to go into a whole uh, description of that, but but it's a it's an awesome, greatly reviewed post-apocalypse novel, and anything you can read by Andrew Murray is just amazing so so check out uh check out his full uh catalog on on amazon as well so yeah well welcome so why don't we jump into the social medias before we hit the news here just to make sure that everybody is on the same page with us right you can follow the show on the social medias facebook twitter instagram all those places it's geek stuff tng you can contact us by calling the gvm line that turned off somehow. 201-730-2547. Uh, sandwich's mic was off and the show was going so nicely. That was smooth. And then, boom, there's the bump. And you can also send us an email. At geeksoftng at gmail.com. Still on for that one. Yeah, you can uh, support the show by going to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash geekstufftng, where for just $1 a month, you can have access to the show's discord server and chat with members of the show remember if like you me. like kev and you just have to at mention him and he will respond to you yep. uh for three dollars a month it's the early bird special we record the show on monday nights and the early birds typically get the show by tuesday night or early wednesday for five dollars a month you get the bonus round where you get a weekend bonus show where sandwich typically it's the education of young sandwich the sandwich shop what was it this week sir the princess bride the princess cause... bride we took a break from vampires to watch a nice movie. <laughs> and so, also, The Princess Bride was based on the Lost segment from last week where uh, we lost the last 15 minutes of the show or so, where we did talk about some product, which we'll talk about at the end of this episode. But, also, oh. the bonus round, you get two vintage episodes a month. So, coming up on October 1st, there will be episode 64. And uh, that was where you guys talked about the Transformers movie. I think, did you guys host a midnight uh, Transformers movie back then? 
2007? Did we? I don't remember. <laughs> if, we, if we hosted a Midnight Transformers, I, I don't remember it. I've blocked it out. Like I blocked out the Transformers movie. <laughs> well, Mike, it was Prime was in studio to talk about it. And oh. uh, also reviewed was Kingdom Come, which came out in uh, 1996, I believe. And uh, it was news to me for Mr. Fantastic talking about Kingdom Come. So, again. Oh. That was a good bit. Yeah. It's news to me. I, I, I liked the news to me. I, I did I did think about bringing that one back at some point. Um but anyway, uh, episode 64 will debut on uh, the vintage episode in the bonus round on the 1st and the 15th. So 64 is coming up here in just a couple of days. And then for $10 a month, you get access to the Instagram Lives where you get to see all the craziness live and direct on the Instagram Live as we record the shows on Monday. Today it was uh, fixing lighting in, uh, in uh, East Coast Scott's place so that I could be seen on the Instagram and what else waiting for a sandwich, which is really what the segment should be called. You know, from my point of view, it's so dark where you are, Kev, you look like Madame Leota from the, the haunted mansion. Your head is just kind of floating there and I can see nothing else. But I can, I can just, I can one up. Oh, the hood, the hood goes on and Oh, now he's just uh now he's like Manos hands of fate. It's just a face. <laughs> If he goes in front of his pop filter, he just hides. He goes full <laughs> camouflage. Yeah, but yeah, but they're not seeing what you're seeing on that camera. They're seeing the Instagram feed where I am well lit and, you know, my hair's nice and everything is good. Yeah, the frosted tips look really good on the Instagram. Yep. They just don't look frosted as good on tip. our side. You're a frosted tip. <laughs> All right, let's, frosted flakes. let's let's jump into the news. I feel like the big story this week uh, even though it's not happening until 2023, was the announcement that Russell T. Davies is returning for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who? Ooh. Russell T. Davies is the showrunner. Was he Matt Smith's showrunner? No, he was the showrunner at the beginning with uh, with with Nine, with Eccleston. Oh, it's Eccleston. Okay. I thought you just said the beginning, sir, was 60 years ago. I don't think he was there then. Right. I'm sorry. With the reboot in 2005. Yes. Well, that'll be very interesting. But they have not selected a new doctor yet. Right. And he made a point in, in his interview to say that there's still another season with the current showrunner and Jodie Whittaker that he gets to watch as a as a viewer. Oh, so I thought he was I thought she was out. I guess not. Well, I think they're going to finish her season. Oh, and, OK. And then bring in and then bring in whoever's next, which I don't think they've made any announcements over. Where, where's little Fifi? Funny. How, how big is Little Fifi? Did she ever even do a segment? You you you, so, you teased Little Fifi's Who stuff for years. Yeah, she I don't think did. She... Yeah, she did like one segment, and it was more than it was more than just it was more than just a tease. She did an interview. She interviewed Matt Smith. Um, uh, what's her name? One Ka of my Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan and um, uh, the other one, Arthur, whatever his name was. That guy. The three of them. She interviewed the three of them. And she did actually a really good job. So and that was that was the sort of the genesis of doing the segment. But you know, for various reasons, it, it just didn't just didn't it wasn't happening the way we wanted it to happen. You know, we even had uh, we even had our production people did an opening for her for her segment. Do you remember that? I do. And uh, yeah, but little little Fifi 
is uh, is I believe a college graduate now. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been quite a while since it was Little yeah. Fifi's Who stuff. So she's Little gotta be Fifi an adult. Is in her twenties, I'm sure, probably in her at the least, probably heading into her mid twenties. I suspect, if I remember correctly. I don't know. It's amazing how how Kev is like Benjamin Buttons, right? He keeps getting younger and everybody else keeps aging and moving on in the world. It's true. Look at East Coast Scott. (laughs) East Coast Scott is 36 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Next week I'll be 36, Kev. I'm sorry. I don't want to get ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So little Fifi is not, not so little anymore. I haven't, I haven't spoken to, I haven't spoken to her in, in quite a number of years, actually. She was the she was the cousin of my ex. So that made that a little awkward. Uh, so she won't be uh, reprising her role on uh, Geek Stuff TNG for no, Phoebe's Who Stuff. No, I, I suspect not. Um, I suspect not. Although she could always call into the GVM line. 201-730-2547. I really thought you were going to get him there. To be honest, <laughs> he's going to turn his mic off again. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about it because I I mean I really enjoyed, uh, you know, the Eccleston and the Tenant and and Matt Smith, and, and unfortunately things just got a little busy around here, and and we kind of let it go once it changed to Capaldi. We didn't even watch the Capaldi seasons, much less the the Jody Whittaker season. So at some point, I I need to catch up so that uh, when Russell T Davies is back, uh, I can you know, be caught up by then. So that's my goal. And is he going to bring Eccleston back? Well, so here's the thing. When they did uh, probably the, the 50th anniversary, that was the day of the doctor. And that was when they, announced, that was when they kind of debuted Capaldi and it was a big deal, but you also right. got, you know, you got uh tenant came back and that's when you had, uh, Oh, what's his name? John Hurd, Hurt, Hurd. Yeah. John Hurt, John Hurt as the, uh, as the war doctor. And, you know, it was a big deal, but, and they had a bunch of the other older doctors from, you know, f- from the original series of it. Uh, but Eccleston wasn't there because at the time, Eccleston kind of left under not so great circumstances. He just didn't enjoy his time on Doctor Who. But since then, I think Eccleston has come around a little bit and realized that maybe he just wasn't in the right place. And he, I, I feel like the door is open for the possibility of Eccleston to come back by then. Eccleston has since voiced the Doctor for some audio dramas, so continuing Adventures of Nine. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I would love it because, I mean, again, I I really liked Eccleston. I thought he did a great job as the Doctor. Well, let's take 10 or 15 minutes and talk about all the things that Eccleston has done since Doctor Who and go. (laughs) Uh, Thor the Dark World. I'm out. Was he? Was oh he no, he was in the, the leftovers. He was in the leftovers. That's true. Was he? Was was he the big bad guy in Thor: The Dark World? Yes, he was. He was the the dark elf. Yeah, dark Mo- Moloch, the, the dark elf. I can't remember the name. Was was Eccleston? Okay, Moloch, right? Moloch or something like that. Yes. Hmm. Okay. What else you got? Yeah, I mean, in the news. Yeah. Oh, in the news. Okay, you didn't. I thought we were going to spend 15 minutes on Eccleston. Okay. No, um, we did. We we covered everything he's done. So let's let's do the feel good story. It was a kind of sweet. The Google Doodle on uh, Christopher Reeve's 69th, what would have been his 69th birthday, was kind of in memorial of uh, Christopher Reeve and Superman and all that. So I thought that was a nice thing to mention there. Uh, he would have been 69 on I think it was the 24th. So last Friday. 
And what did they do? They just just the Google Doodle. It's just a you know a picture oh, of oh, of, of Christopher Reeve and kind of a the the Google is spelled out like with the trail from like Superman flying kind of a oh camp, right camp trail. right okay oh that's nice yeah I, I mean so, it was nice that. you know I mean we all he he's gone too soon you know we miss Christopher Reeve so. Uh, and then let's move on to the Hollywood news. Let's talk a little bit of coming attractions. We didn't mention this one before. Have you seen the trailer for the Aquaman King of Atlantis cartoon? No. No. It, it looks very odd. Like, it's almost a, a a combination of Rick and Morty, SpongeBob, like, strange animation style and very, like, irreverent and silly. And there's going to be a trilogy of cartoons uh, that are coming uh, so I don't know if you haven't seen it, then there's not much to talk about it. But it looked very well. I guess odd. I guess we should see it. But what did you think of it? You clearly saw it. I, I again, I feel like it looked it, it looked it's almost more like the the Ren and Stimpy, the kind of gross out cartoon is what right. it kind of looked like. You know, and I don't know. It just seemed very irreverent, and, and I don't know how that's going to match up with the Aquaman in the DC universe, or, you know, maybe they're not he, any plans on that. Does he look like that Aquaman or does he look like the comic book? Um, it, it doesn't look like either. He's got kind of a blue, uh, blue beard. The colors are really weird, uh, but he does have more of the full beard. So I guess he's closer to the, uh, Jason Momoa one, but it's just a, it's just a strange animation style. Lots of sea creatures and like really goofy. Like he's not, he's not like, He's silly. You know, it's like very, it seems like it's for very young kids. Oh, well, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. So, so they, they can't, they can't all be injustice. Right. Did you see the red band trailer for injustice? No, we, we talked about injustice just a little bit last time, but I haven't seen the red band trailer. Tell us about it. Well, basically uh Superman um, punches through the chest of the Joker. Yes. In the red band trailer. And it's really violent. So that cartoon is going to be really interesting to watch. So we didn't know last week when we talked about it without without our fearless leader, uh, Kev. It would, was did Injustice the comic book come before the video game, or did the video game come before the comic book? No, the video game came first, and then the comic. Right, that, that's what I thought, okay. but I wasn't I wasn't sure about. I could have sworn it the other way. I didn't know why. And, and essentially, uh, unless unless they put out the comic book right before the video game came out as a lead in. But I don't think so. I'm pretty sure the game came first. And and Injustice is essentially what Zack Snyder's Batman is worried about, right? What Zack Snyder's Batman? Yeah, kinda. I yeah. mean, right? Batman, or Superman going rogue. That's that's the whole issue in Batman versus Superman, right? I mean, if there was a plot in the movie, I guess that was it. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so yeah, so we we can. I think on. the plot. Uh, I think the plot of that movie was. How can I further screw up these characters? Yeah, I watched a... Uh, to which it was a tremendous success. Yes. Because he had already ruined Superman at that point. So, you know, dragging Batman in, kicking and screaming to ruin also seemed to be next in the cards. And then the whole Justice League. So there you go. Yeah. And then, and then, and then he took that steaming pile of Justice League and made it bigger. So there you go. Yeah, four hours worth of it. You know, I just watched a, a YouTube video from uh, something called, called High Top Films. It's called Batman Does Not Kill. It's like a 16-minute video where this guy, uh, <clears throat> he does uh, throw some shit at Zack Snyder. But he's basically saying that 
you know, the the film versions of Batman where he kills, it just kind of takes everything interesting about Batman away, especially in the Zack Snyder version where he's, you know, 50 caliber machine guns on the front of the Batmobile just killing people left and right. Then what's the big deal if he was going to kill? Like, he, he just said how the moment where he was going to kill Superman, the whole Martha moment, would have been much more poignant if this would have been the first time he was going to take a life when he says, are you even a man? Well, it's like he's kind of helping to rationalize it himself that it's not a human, that he, Superman's an alien, so it's okay to kill him. That moment would have meant something more if seconds before he hadn't killed a whole bunch of people and seconds after he doesn't kill a whole bunch of people. And I thought it was a pretty good take on, you know, Batman not killing, and, and you know, which you lose a lot in the films of Batman. True. So, anyway, we're, it's worth checking out. It's about a 15-minute video. Um, he's not killing in the new movie, either. Apparently, he's just beating the, the tar out of the people. Which, which like that trailer, you, where he just, like... Cripple you for life. Right. But, but that's... Honestly, though, that's my understanding of Batman, right? He uses non-lethal, but extremely painful weapons, and he beats the hell out of bad guys, but he doesn't kill people. Yeah. That's that's it's, Batman. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's basically Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp, uh, Wyatt Earp only ever killed like two people his whole life. His He didn't make his bones on killing people. He made his bones on beating the piss out of people, like beating them, like pistol whipping them and so on and so forth. You know, he only ever killed, I, I feel like it's something like two or, or well, maybe it's half a dozen people. But the point is, is that, you know, the legendary lawman wasn't known for killing people. He was he was known for beating them up and i think there's there's an element to that in batman as well and i agree once you cross that you know once you cross that line with batman it does take something away from the character the whole point of his being is that his parents were killed you know and you know his his sort of i'm not going to kill anybody i'll just maim them uh <laughs> it, you know something that should be preserved now that said there's a lot of things about these characters that should have been preserved but I'm not going to go into a whole retro discussion of Superman, the Man of Steel movie, because all that did was destroy all the tenants of Superman. Yeah. So if you're going to destroy all the tenants of one, well, fuck it. Destroy all the tenants of everybody. And this is the problem with the DC universe. Part of it. anyway. Yeah. So uh... DC cinematic universe. Right. Speaking of the DC Cinematic Universe, so it, it, I've seen the articles that say that uh, Pattinson, Sparklebat, he made about $3 million for the upcoming Batman movie, and he expects uh, at least double that for uh, the sequel. So good, yeah. for, good for him. I, I've seen the reviews I've seen have been good, but they're saying that it's essentially a horror movie, so Sandwich, it's it a might, it, it might yeah. be scary for you. Uh, are, are you still going to see the new Batman movie? I, mean, I feel like I have to, but I'm not going to enjoy it if it's horror. I might, you know... Have to you like know, bring like something safe, like maybe like a small teddy bear or something, or my baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. So like, yeah, your your security animal, stuffed animal. Like so, I so I can feel comfortable and safe. Well, I, I'll tell also, you. So like, is scary like thriller or scary isn't like something jumps up at you and like, you know what it's like? It's like the pier scene in uh uh what was the first Christian Bale movie? What the Batman Begins? Batman Begins. It's like the pier scene in Batman Begins. Uh-huh. You know, where all of a sudden those guys just start disappearing. Uh-huh. You know, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be scary like that. 
because like it might sound weird. I like the Michael Myers as Batman (laughs) because I like The Shining as a movie. I could watch The Shining, and that's a scary movie. But like Paranormal Activity, where it's just like monster jumps at you on the screen, and then people scream. I don't like that, but I'll watch like The Shining. Yeah, there's a difference between jump scares and you know scary, right? And and so I mean, yeah, I, I think I can do better with a scary premise than yeah something jumping out but I, th- I think this is more going to be psychological horror um and, and it's coming out on uh, march 4th 2022 so oh we so, have a date now yeah that's what it looks like so okay um and then we have 15 villains in the movie or is it 13 three too many oh, okay sorry it's a little off are you sure it's only three yeah is it like penguin uh, and then Joker, and then Clayface, and then, like Catwoman, isn't it like? No, Joker's no. not in this one, is he? No, he's not, and probably not going to be anytime soon. Although the trailer would seem to indicate otherwise, um, it's definitely Catwoman, which people are making a lot of bones about. Uh, it's definitely Penguin, uh, as portrayed by an unrecognizable Colin Farrell. And uh, and it's the Riddler, like serial killer Riddler, yeah, like Jigsaw Riddler, kinda, yeah. They've just upped him a little, a lot of it. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, again, I, I'm. He's not Frank Gorshin, right? I'm tainted by the '66 Batman versions of these characters. It's hard to take the Riddler from that. But again, I even think about the Riddler in Gotham. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, okay. What about Jim Carrey? Yeah, that's where we, we didn't want to go there either. <laughs> I wasn't going there. But I mean, like, the Gotham, he was more of a, of a, a, you know, he had kind of a multiple personality or a, a schizophrenia that was driving him, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. D- did anybody watch Gotham or did everybody bail out, like, by season two? Like, I, 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 I did. Because I didn't, I didn't know any better. So I watched a lot of it. In retrospect, uh-huh. I really didn't enjoy it. I think I just watched it because it was the only, Batman thing on really yeah that wasn't enough to keep me watching it even as a Batman fan I tried to watch it for a little bit and I just like although you know I I felt like uh the guy that did Penguin I mean like I kind of liked what they were doing with Penguin but it just didn't make sense to have a Batman show without Batman you know so it just it wasn't enough to keep me going and and then and then later they turned him into like a dumb it looked really like an ugly like thick ski mask it's like I'm not Batman. I'm guy in ski mask. When he was like 12, right, which made no sense. I'm Bat Boy, kind of, but like really, really for a guy who has like millions of dollars, super low budget somehow still. It because was, you know it's a- it was destined to fail because it was a bad premise to begin with. And I don't care that it was on for several seasons. That doesn't make something just because it's on for several seasons doesn't make it good. I mean, there are plenty of examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so while we were talking about uh, release dates, uh, this Friday, the Many Saints of Newark. Yeah. In theaters and on HBO Max. So yes. that should be exciting. I'm, I'm going to be ready to watch that uh, at home on HBO Max on Friday when this episode should uh, go out on the podcatchers. I'm, I'm going to see it in theaters because I can. <laughs> while you're in, while you're in New, I mean, you're going to be in New Jersey seeing yeah. the many Saints of New Jersey. Good for you. That's that's the way to do it. At East Coast Scott and I actually went to the movies. Was that yesterday, Scott? 
Yeah, that was yesterday. Yeah, so we went to the movies, an actual movie theater, uh, yesterday to see Shang-Chi. Interesting. Yes, oh, cool. I saw it in the movies. That's oh, right. Cool. Thoughts? Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I got that invite, guys. Um, no, you, you, you were, were uh, playing D and D. Remember when I asked you what you were up to on Sunday? I'm playing D and D. Well, you didn't say there was a movie. Or what? You would have canceled D and D? No, but still, the offer would have been nice. Yeah, I see. I see where you go. It's it's the fact that you would have offered. I see. I'm offering right now for for you to uh, to work in the archive this week uh and then perhaps we go see the sopranos oh, with my one day off your one day off yeah oh yeah that's how i want to spend my whole day off no before before you do all those other things like five in the morning early yeah no yeah i'm just saying <laughs> anyways we have news right <laughs> yeah well just back to well first of all kev do you want to make any comments about shang chi now that you've seen it i haven't seen it yet so yeah no i spoilers. thought it was i thought it was great i thought it was a great uh i thought it was a great martial arts kung fu movie that happened to also be a marvel movie right as they do right that's that's right. the genre of this one and, and, they, and they, they choose a genre yeah um, they're just gonna making genre films and uh, uh and tying them to the mcu and I'm, I'm fine with that. What I don't understand is um, the post credit scene, and too bad if you haven't seen it by now. It's way past the embargo. Um, the post credit scene where they're talking about the rings, it's Wong and Banner and Carol Danvers, Captain yes. Marvel, talking about the, the rings and nobody has any record or anything. No one knows anything about these rings and blah, blah, blah. And why Wong says, oh, your guy's life is about to change. Why is Aquafina's life about to change? Because she, she shot up. an arrow? Because she showed up. <laughs> I, I don't, that's the part of, that I didn't understand. I didn't have any problem with Aquafina in the movie. I really honestly thought I was going to. I didn't. I thought she was fine. Um, although there seems to be some criticism about, you know, her place in the movie. I don't, I don't see it. Um, what I do see, uh, though, is the confusion that people have about why on earth her life would be changing because, you know, clearly Shang-Chi is going to move forward in the Marvel Universe in some capacity. It, yeah, so. Is her character come, turn into any any hero or any major character? No. She's, nope. she's not, she, not she any does, known she entity. Does, she, does want, she does the important thing at the end, which likes... She she shoots the bad guy so that there's an opening to kill him. Yeah. Ah, spoil something. Do I need so, to put the spoiler alert on here? No, because it's well past the embargo by now. But I haven't what, seen what I, it. Okay. What I love Too about uh, embargo movie, is for you too. <laughs> what I love about the movie, though, in that after credit scene, Mister Ke- that Mister Kev saw, and we all seen at this point. Besides Scott, sorry. Um, they re- obviously ran out of budget for the CGI, so they just had. Mark Ruffalo standing there as Bruce Banner and not as Smart Hulk, so that made me giggle seeing that. Or, or there's something we don't know. I know, but like I, I it felt to me like a, I ran, we ran out of budget in the big fight scene at the end, more so than like a concise. I'm going to address Will on Instagram who says because they are a duo buddies, so she will go where he goes. 
Yeah, but she serves no purpose. You know, like she's not like we have Ant-Man for the comic relief. Like we don't need Aquafina with all due respect to Aquafina. Like it doesn't make sense that she would go anywhere. Yeah, but know? but in Ant-Man his his buddy came his buddy came along too, right? Uh you know, the guy that gave the recap in Ant-Man 2. I mean, he didn't, he didn't What did he come along to? I mean, he's still around. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So like around Aquafina is one thing. But what Wong suggests in the post-credit, which you can find on YouTube, Scott, is that both of their lives are about to change and they should get ready. And so, and it's just like, but why Aquafina? I get Shang-Chi, but why her? Doesn't make any yeah. sense. I, I, I Here's my take on that, Kev, is, is I think um, before the post-credit, uh, the, the last scene in the film, what Wong shows up and he's like, you know, Shang-Chi, come with me. And as an afterthought, he's like, yeah, you come along too, to Aquafina. And yeah. then that, you know, I, I'll spoil a, a scene in the film too. Is um, No, you're not spoiling anything because the embargo is well past at this point, people. Okay. okay. So, so I think the, the, the thing that really sealed Aquafina's fate as being a big part of the Marvel Universe is that she got drunk and did karaoke with Wong all night. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's it somehow. All right, here we go. Will says, why did Cap need Bucky? Why did Banner need Rick Jones? Why did JLA need Snapper Carr? Well, the answer, uh, Will, is that A, Cap did not need Bucky. And we're talking about the cinematic universe, not the comic book universe, where there is no Rick Jones. There is no Snapper Carr. So those two examples are moot. And Cap did not need Bucky. They were friends. So you see, it's not. And Bucky became a whole nother character. You know, the Winter Soldier. You know, just, just saying. Oh, that's a spoiler. Uh, yeah, real big spoiler. My girlfriend listens to this podcast. She'll be spoiled. Because <laughs> she doesn't realize that the Winter Soldier becomes Bucky. She was really upset oh, when he died. We should, oh, shoot. We really shouldn't say that in front of East Coast Scott either. Oh, that's right. East Coast Scott has not seen Winter Soldier yet. Oh, oh. For some reason, that one has eluded him. I'm going to take care of that problem while I'm here. <laughs> well, so so let's... Uh, really, this started out as the conversation about Sopranos, right? So, look, Bernthal, right? John Bernthal is playing uh, Tony's dad, right? Yes. So the Punisher's playing Tony's dad. He said it's going to be different than the Sopranos, but it is a very good prequel. I think the article said that it's it seems clear that when David Chase was writing these characters, he had their backstory. He knew it all in his head because it's just very well yeah. done. Um, and then, the you know, character is, is not Tony Soprano's dad. It's actually, it's, it's actually, uh, Dickie Moltisanti. Yeah. Yeah. Nicky Moltisanti. Yeah. Who is, uh, what's his name's dad? That would be, uh, yeah. Uh, Christopher. Christopher's dad. Yeah. Christopher's dad. Right. So that's and, and that's the guy, and, you know, I like the, you know, there's some there's some advertising out now that says something along the lines of who made Tony Soprano. You know, like that's kind of the angle they're going. It's like, well, who made Tony Soprano, you know, like Tony Soprano? And the suggestion is that we're going to learn that in the movie. It was Nicky Moltisante who is responsible for him becoming Tony Soprano. So. Yeah, the Tony Soprano that we know, right? Yeah, 
And remember too that in um in in mob and mafia uh, movies, made has a double entendre, more meaning than just who created. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that has. I think that will have a lot to do with it as well. I think we're going to see at least the beginnings of that. I wonder. Uh, I wonder that this also is going to be the only. Uh, that this is going to be the only movie. I haven't heard anything about them doing any any other movies. But I think if this one, and so far they're saying this one's pretty good. I think if it does well enough, maybe we'll see another one, uh, which I think would be great. I mean, I, I would I would take a whole series based on this time period of The Sopranos. I just, I know we're not going to get one, but especially not with this cast. But, uh, you know, I, I am really looking forward to this. I'm a fan of The Sopranos and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, you know what they do. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a possibility. An article, a David Chase article that I read alluded to the possibility of more Sopranos content coming out. Um, right. So, and then uh, little Steven even weighed in on uh, Sil Silvio's in it, right? Silvio Dante's going to be in, in yeah. the movie, but uh, obviously it's played by a, a younger actor. But he said that he thinks that uh, David Chase has been tinkering with this and working with this for a long time. So right. there's a lot of... Uh, I, you know, I would love if they did... The, the actual actor for Silvio, the old the old guy, the older gentleman, to play young Silvio, but just did like the Irishman, young youngifying face for him. <laughs> little, little Stephen Van Zandt as, uh, as as young Silvio Dante. That'd be great. I think that's I think that we should have done that. You know, like how they did for like the Irishman, where they younged up Robert De Niro. Yeah, but he still yeah. clearly sounded and talked like an eighty year old man. Really, but he just really made him look like forty. That was well, a really strange thing to do. I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to recycle one of my own jokes. They are working on a Pink Ladies Grease prequel series. And my joke was that they were going to do that with Stalker Channing, right? Who's, you know, who was 30 something when she played a high school student back when Grease was new. And she's was in she her late 70s now. Something? Yeah, she was, she was in her I, mid to late I 30s. I thought she was in her 40s when she played it. I was like, what is this woman doing in high school? Yeah, so I just want to see all, uh, you know, an all young cast for Pink Ladies except Stalker Channing just maybe not even DH just just playing a teenager as if it's no big deal. I think as, as if it's like no big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't there some show like that out there where there's like some older woman who's just playing a teenager? There is a show called Pen 15. It's a Hulu yeah. show, and so these these two these two women are writing about the time frame when they were in middle school, and yeah. and they play themselves in middle school, and then all the rest of the cast are age appropriate, actual like right. you know you right. know twelve you know twelve to fifteen year old kids, but then they're playing themselves, and it's it's awkward and weird, but it's a very it is a good show, and they actually just had a uh, an animated like covid special where they just did did an episode that was like all animated which was also pretty good so yeah pin 15 i would recommend it the the two women that do the show are the same age as my wife so she was like all about it because it was her time frame like that when they were in middle school is the same time she right. was in middle school so she was super into it and i enjoyed it as well so that was before Sandwich and I were in middle school. Right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, it may feel like it's a little, uh, you know, after your time or before your time, but I, I would recommend Pen15. There's some good uh, good uh, independent shows on Hulu, and Pen15 is one of them. Scott, did you know in real life me and Kev actually went to the same middle school? That is actually a true. We just found out 
that the sandwich and I actually went to the same middle school. Like, wow. like no, like that's true. Not a joke. Literally, not a joke. we attended the same middle school. We went to the same middle school. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's true. Awesome. It's not. It's not. This is not a bit. This is not a joke. The sandwich and I went to the same middle school. That is a fact. Yeah, and Kevin and I went to the same college. That is also true. Different times, but true. <laughs> it's a small world out there. It's a small world. I was definitely, I was definitely at that college when East Coast Scott was not there. That is a true statement. That is an absolutely true statement. East Coast Scott will verify. I was definitely there when he wasn't. Yes, absolutely. There you go. Perfect. So let's do one more release date. Uh, okay. Speaking of HBO Max and theaters on October 22nd, Dune. Yeah. The hybrid I already release. Told, I already told East Coast Scott, it's like, you might as well just save the sandwich you too. You might as well just save the date because we're, we're going, we're going to Cinemark. We're going to see it in XD. I'm buying tickets as soon as they're available. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going back to, uh, uh, the you, Isle of I, I, Misfit I, I, Toys, the yeah. Arkansas of the Pacific, and yeah. uh, having not seen this movie, so yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I, I think Kevin promised that he's gonna fly me to Hawaii to see it on a big screen. Oh, yeah, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, no, well, not on my island, there's, there's not the biggest screen on my island, it's probably my living room. Ah. Uh, so no, that that won't happen. But uh, do I got to do prep for Dune? I'm not reading the books. Do I have to like? No, no. I, I I'd like your I'd like your take on it, like fresh. I don't okay. even want you to watch the David Lynch film or the the Godforsaken Sci-Fi Channel version uh, beforehand. <laughs> so it's like uh, I've always heard the book is very hard to digest. So I don't know if the movie Scott, is going to be digestible. Coast Scott has some uh, has some opinions on the. Yeah, it, it's really good, but it, it's it's a chore to read. It's slow and dry and complicated. You have to really love slow, dry, complicated sci-fi to read that book. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, go. it's not particularly fun. Like sitting in the DMV, but fun. Right. <laughs> so, do you think that the hybrid release which will then reduce the box office lessens the chance of dune 2 i think uh i think no because i think at this point the reviews are already and and villeneuve has said something has to go drastically wrong in order for them at this point not to do it because the reviews are incredible and don't forget this is a worldwide release i think on that date um, so I think that it's going to be more about world box office than it's going to be about the U.S. Um, and I'm based on the way that he's talking in interviews in the last two weeks, at least, um, because it's had its premiere and everything. I, or, I don't know if it's had its premiere. Maybe it did. Um, or test screenings, whatever it was. It's, it's scoring super well. And therefore, I think that it's very likely that... Uh, uh, based on his language, I'm sure we're going to get the rest of at least the first story. I hope, I hope we get at least the first book 
And I'd like to see his take on Children of Dune also, which is the only other book that I read um, in the series. Because after that, I was like, no, I'm just, I can't. Because as East Coast Scott mentioned, uh, the first book was was difficult and uh, 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 and dry. And I assure you, it didn't get easy and wet as uh, as he went through. So uh, that's the title yeah. of the episode. Geek Stuff, episode 653, Easy and no. Wet. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. We are, no. And there's so many jokes I can make here, but I'm not going to because I respect the sandwich. So Thanks. there we go. I just want to point out right there. Right there was you another. You want to point out you, you have a filter? Yeah. I'm pointing out that I have a filter. You're welcome, sandwich. You're welcome. Uh, well, so yeah, I wanted to talk a, a little bit before we go to break about uh, some of the stuff on the streaming services. And, and since Dom's been on the vampire kick lately, the so do you remember that movie? That first it was in, I think, a Scandinavian. It was called, like, Let the Right One In, and then they made an American version that was called, like, Let Me In? Is that Yeah, that wasn't, right? wasn't it Let Me In, uh, and wasn't it Hit Girl, who was the star? I think so. And I haven't seen they either one, but I heard Moret. I heard they were fantastic. They were. And they I haven't seen either of them. They're really great. Have you seen either one of those, uh, Mr. Sandwich? Let me in? I, I can't... I, I don't think I have. I like... What's her name? Uh, the uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, or what the hell her name is? Uh-huh. Hey, girl. I like her as an actress. Um... Oh, is that time of the night we turn off the black light? Oh, damn it. What happened, Scott? Hold on. It's supposed to be here. It's not even playing. Hold on. Amex. <laughs> I saw Kev's face. Our step. It's that time of the night. It's that time of the night. We turn on the black light. Let the dungeons and the dragons begin. It's D&D. Fighting with the legends of yore. It's D&D. Yeah, so there was the bit ruined by technology. Ugh, fucking little rascals. Do I'm getting a lot. little bit either. I don't know if you, if we're getting worse at doing it or I'm getting better at picking it up because that's the second time where we've done the bit and I've I've picked it up. <laughs> you know, like it would have worked if it hadn't been for you kids. You meddling <laughs> your kids. stupid dog. <laughs> and your meddling dog. That's right. It's time for our D and D segment of the episode uh because apparently although i haven't seen it yet uh there's a new DD book that we need to discuss and apparently it's quite the rage amongst the peeps oh yeah this sandwich so what i have in front of me here is the wild beyond the witch light the newest DD book i got the special edition cover and the regular edition cover uh the regular edition cover actually looks pretty decent because I, actually like you know, I like the special, special editions edition. because they're shiny i i always like the special editions better because i feel like they're more like artsy and i kind of i kind of like that like weird looking art kind of vibe i don't know i really like the regular cover this time around regular is excellent oh here's the back for the special edition if anyone cares because oh. that's always cool um so this is a campaign module designed for players level one to eight so it is, oh, it's a module. I thought module. this was for. I thought this was a source book. So wait, the the next one that's coming out is the source book. The next two, yeah. the next two are source. Or so source is, books. This is a module. I'm sorry, I did not realize that. Okay, it's okay. 
That's why I'm here. This introduces, isn't it the caravan of something? Uh, I didn't look into the story yet because my friend might want to run it. I don't want to spoil anything. Look, so I just tried to give it like. Uh, let me look. Let me look at the non-special edition. Uh, the Witchlight Car, the Witchlight Carnival. There you go. The Witchlight. It's a Feywild Carnival. So you're in the Feywild, and you're dealing with a lot more like mystical. It's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland carnival module. There you There's go. lots of like fairies. You, two new playable races. Fairies and uh, the Harrigans, rabbit, which folk. are like rabbit people, rabbit folk, which is cool. I always like adding new things, you know, yeah, to the game because it's Those fun. Good. Oh, yeah, uh, it looks like a very fun campaign. It looks more like I said, like kind of whimsical, Alice in Wonderland carnival type vibes. There's a Wobbit Jack, there's Hags, there's the a Vorpal Sword, which is not something I would give to players at low levels because that's bad to be just throwing out there. Wow, um, how many jokes did we make back in the day, East Coast Scott, about Vorpal Swords? Yeah. It was one of those things back in the day where it was like, if you got one, it was like, whoa. It was like the most amazing thing you've ever gotten in D&D ever. Yeah. So they got one here, the, the Snicker Snack. Which, you know, like I said, gets it's really Alice in Wonderland there. Um, and it looks like a fun campaign. Like I said, I didn't want to get too much into the story because my friend is really, really interested in running it for us. Why, why don't you just tell us what it says on the back of the book? I will do that. Uh, oh, once every eight years, the fantastic witch-like carnival touches down on your world, bringing joy to one settlement after the next. Its owners, Mr. Witch and Mr. Light, know how to put on a good show. There's more to this magical extravaganza than meets the eye. The carnival is a ghetto is a gateway to a fantastic Feywild domain, unlike anything on the material plane. Time has not been kind to this realm, however, and dark days lie ahead, unless someone can thwart the dastardly schemes of the hourglass coven. You can the- add your own boops, bops, and beeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, don't spoil, don't all spoil the stuff. live read after the after Oh, the yeah, break. I know. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I do want to say they got to pull out something. Uh, you never pull it out because, you know. Because you don't. It's just it's just bad. Uh, we got about 200 pages, 251 nice. pages. Right. Run to the regular MSRP of about 50 bucks. Perfect. And, you know, like I say, every time they come out new stuff, there's a lot of content in here that you could just rip out for your own use somewhere. Take a, the Jabberwock if you want to use it, or there's some hags, or there's some cool other NPCs and enemies in here. All of these books are great content just to pick and pull. You know, you could play as a, the opening up fairies, which, you know, people, that's just kind of cool because it's a small creature and it can fly. Rabbit folk are cool because, you know, you got all these fun things you could do there. You, adding more to D&D is always fantastic. And every book has just so much content stuck into it. It's just fantastic. Hey, hey Dom, I have a question for you. So yeah. you've been you've been playing Strahd, and you were saying all the source books give you stuff that you can pull out. Do you play yeah. more, at least while you're playing 5e, have you been playing the modules that they produced? Or do you do homebrews? Do you do a mix? What, what would you say? He's in um, so many games, it's probably hard to answer the question. 
I, I've done several games. Uh, we like to run more of our own stories when we play, but we're trying to get more into the module because I'll be honest, one of our friends is a DM and uh, you can make jokes, but, but he needs to under, he needs help understanding how DMing works sometimes. So we're making him run a module at some point so that he knows how to run a story and not deviate. That's a story for another time. But, you know, modules make it a lot easier for a newer DM to not worry about balancing as much and not worry about, you know, leaving open ends because the book is a very self-contained adventure. It has answers for all the questions and you can go forward that way. If you're a new DM or someone who's unsure about DMing, I recommend always look at a module. There's 50 million modules for one to whatever. You can pick whatever flavor of module you want. You know, if you want to run fa Fairy Carnival or do you want to run uh, Lost Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and be roughing it in like the frozen tundra and fighting like a winter god. If you want to do the Dragon Heist in Waterdeep and, you know, have a fun treasure hunt, basically. There's so many different flavors of module and modules are really great for that because, you know, you don't have to worry about planning out and like trying to make this cool intricate story they paid people to do it for you and you just gotta buy the book to do it you know back in the day east coast scott and i played quite a bit of D, &D uh, yeah together in a you know did you guys know that uh vorpal is not actually a real word lewis carroll made it up for a poem jabberwocky and that was the only time oh. in the history of literature in the english language it was ever used he just made it up until Dungeons and Dragons uh, commandeered it. Co-opt. Co-opt, yeah. Uh, Gary Gygax did that with a lot of things, I think. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. Right. <laughs> and he got away with it because it was the 70s. That's right. All right. And the only one he didn't get away with was Cthulhu. That's, he got away with it initially. Initially, but yeah, yeah. they yanked that. And the and the, the, the new home myths, the right? gray, the gray Mauser, right? Mm. Whatever got pulled out of that original version of Deities and Demigods. Yeah, I think Gray Mauser stayed in. He was in my edition, but the Cthulhu stuff wasn't. Oh, I there's thought somebody the... else in. Oh no, there's somebody else. Was it Elric in there? Somebody else is in that book who got yanked out. Besides Cthulhu, so. I so, I could be wrong about that. So not to before. not to plug another podcast, but the Vintage RPG podcast, they talked about it on their episode about DTs and Demigods. They kind of started out by going through all the different D&D uh, &D books and kind of giving you a little history and a little talk about them. And I really have been enjoying that uh, that podcast in my spare time. Did they get to Oriental Adventures yet? Uh, I believe the they did talk about the, the, that. I, th I think they did. I think they did. Yeah. Cool. The, the one that's that I had that, that you know is now impossible to get. Oh, I still have mine. In, unless it's in a PDF form. Yeah, I have that version too. Yeah. Um, speaking of books, though, it, it should be said that uh, there was a big D and D kind of announcement thing uh, in the last couple of days, where the big shots at Wizards of the Coast made quite a shocking announcement, which is that new core rule books are coming in 2024. So I I don't know if this is supposed to be like 5.5. .5 or that's six or whatever everything um, however is backwards compatible they're saying don't get rid of your books don't be upset and so on because it's not like 
They are removing the books that you have now. They are just updating the book, the core books. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's going to be player's handbook, DM guide, maybe monster manual. So, so my thing, maybe it's like, maybe they just dump all the, like the races you can play. They dump it all into one book right now or something. So you don't have to buy 500 books or I, I think this is might be just more of like a cleanup where it's like, put all the available um, races, put all the available classes you can be into one book. That's your new player's handbook. Well, it'll be about yeah. that thick. I mean, they have apparently, and from what I read in the article, they have been uh, very subtly over the last possibly two years been doing surveys with players with regards to those very things, races, classes, so on and so forth, uh, with the idea being that they will use that information to reform the books uh, for 2024. So... I think this is a risky move on their part, not unexpected, but I think it's a risky move when you're disrupting something that's going perfectly fine. They also talked about there's a brand new um, campaign setting or world setting, the first since Eberron um, that's going to be coming out, which I thought was really good. They also said they're going to release more, uh, they're going to 5E more of the ones that have already been out. Um, and I tried to think of what's left that hasn't been 5E. And I thought of Hollow World was one that I thought of. And mm-hmm. what was this? Star, Star Jammer? What was the space one? <laughs> There's a space Star one. I don't Star Frontiers? Was it Frontiers? It's not Star Frontiers. Star Frontiers was TSR's... Star Frontiers was TSR's space-based... Um, D&D type game but that was like lasers and that was no like Star Jammer I think it's Star Jammer awesome though I don't think Star Frontier is absolutely awesome totally East Coast Scott is correct about that but Scott do you remember East Coast Scott do you remember is it Star Jammers that was basically like D&D characters in some sort of space yeah what was it Star Jammer I could be 100% wrong about this, but wasn't Star Jammers the sci-fi sort of version of a RPG called Spelljammer? Spelljammer, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Spelljammer, it was basically like, it's like suddenly your characters uh, from your D&D game launch into space. And for me, what it looked, what it always looked like to me was every Journey album cover. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Spelljammer, AD&D, yeah. Adventures in Space. That's basically it. It's basically yeah. like, it's like Josie and the Pussycats, and then they put Josie and the Pussycats on a spaceship, and it became Josie and the Pussycats in outer space. It's <laughs> basically that, but with, you know, like paladins and, fi- yes, uh, Mr. Sandwich? No, I just wait until you're done, so I can just say my bit. But... Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I those, Hollow World, Spelljammer were the only two that I could think of that haven't been 5e because they've done Strahd. They've right. done, I think they've done pretty much, I think they've done all the campaigns except those two. There's the only two they did, they did Dark Sun. Didn't they do Dark Sun Sandwich or am I remembering that wrong? I can't think of a Dark Sun one. Oh, maybe yeah. they didn't do Dark, maybe Dark Sun will be the one that they do then because that one was really popular. Um, 
So we'll see. But they have a few that they could update to 5e. I'd love to see Dark Sun updated to 5e. That would be great. Because yes, then... like D and D sci-fi. This might be a deep dive, but do you guys remember the module um, expeditions in the Barrier Peaks? Where yeah, you of course. Oh, of course, we all remember that from our youth, yeah. don't we? Yes. No. No, I remember that one. I remember Expedition Barrier Peaks. Yeah. That could easily lead right into a Spelljammer campaign. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally your tie-in right there. Somebody, I may be wrong about this, uh, East Coast Scott, but somebody recently put out a book. Uh, somebody has been reprinting those modules, like updating them and reprinting them for 5e. But it's I know, not yeah, I, I know who it is, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like they have like a PDF store; you can buy them all. Yeah, they're they're relatively expensive if you want to get them in hard copy. But yeah, yeah there's the keep on the Borderlands has been like updated and revised, and but it looks but very it's much massively like the old... thick though. It's yeah. like a huge book, you know. And, and because I think it's more, I think it's a couple in each book. But even so, um, the fact that they have updated it, it's great. But it's not, it's not Wizards. It's somebody else who's reprinting these. Uh, I, I don't know why they've been allowed to do that, considering Wizards owns all of the property of TSR. So I don't understand why they've been allowed to. I don't care, really. I'd like to have them, kind of. Um, and I haven't gotten any of them yet. So I know eventually I'm going to get choked trying to buy them. But there's at least two volumes of those reprints out now, possibly three. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get those. And yeah, that would be an easy transition into to Spelljammer uh, uh, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. So yeah, not that I want to play Spelljammer at all, because again, to me, Spelljammer just seemed like D&D on the cover of every Journey album. <laughs> yeah. like, like, go look at a Journey album cover and you're like, yep, I can see my characters riding in that bug style ship. It's true. So, yeah. So they correct me if I'm wrong, but like every ten years, they come out with some new basic D and D edition, right? Roughly, hasn't that been like the pattern? I mean, like ten, give or take, like twelve or yes, but like it's take because they stacked up a bunch in the middle. Two, three. Well, see, it depends on what you think of as you know. Are we talking advanced D and D? Because there was D and D advanced D and D. Also, like. Then the books, because uh-huh. D D was just a box set. Yeah. Then the books came. Uh-huh. So then that was that's what's considered like, you know, original edition. All of that stuff people lumped together as kind of the original. Then came second edition. Mm-hmm. Then came three, then three five, right on its heels because they fucked up three so badly. Although mm-hmm. Although uh, Pathfinder fans would tell you that not only did they not fuck it up, but it was way better than second edition, which I guess the jury would still be out on that. And then moving along, uh, we went into fourth edition, which was basically them trying to recreate World of Warcraft, the video game, as a RPG you know but with D, and they've they, i don't think 5e has matched their content yet i don't think 4e i uh, 4e yeah 4e 4e had the most content i think of any D edition ever um and i think 5e will pass it but if they cross over into 5 5 do we then still count that stuff as five fifth edition and you know you get into all those kind of things anyway um 
Yeah. So just to put a uh, just to put sort of a cap on it, I just think it's I think it's a risky venture. I don't think they need to update the rules. I just think they need more content. You know, do a player's handbook too. You know, do a DM guide too, where you have new things or updated things in it, but don't don't just do it as a new, you know, like a new version of a book that people already yeah. have, even if it's updated. Yeah. I just don't think that's a great idea. But I think if they do like what Sandwich said, it's like, okay, if I was starting now, I would have to buy all of these modules and all of the rule books to get all the different races. But if they made well, DM Guide have... version 2, but if they made DM Guide and Player's Handbook version 2 that had all of that in it, it's kind of like, they... well, I wouldn't need to buy it if I have everything up to that point. But if I was starting it's at that Scott. point, I could just do that. But Scott, there's no way they're going to cram all of those races and all of those, um, uh, uh, all of those um, classes. There's no way they're going to cram all of that into one book. There's no way. There's way they? too many. Why wouldn't they? Because there's way too many. They have, the to, they have to add two classes. Two classes. What yeah. about all the subclasses? See, that's well, what I'm talking about. So, what? What? Because well, I, I wasn't because I wasn't thinking about like yeah, what is the is point lot. of what is the point of redoing the book if all you're doing is adding two classes to a book that people have anyway? It doesn't make sense to do that. This is this is my whole. You're making my whole argument, you know. And and that is if you're not going to do well, something mm. extraordinarily uh, extraordinary, like I, I'm agreeing with you, if they're not going to do something extraordinary like you're suggesting then they shouldn't do it. And honestly, what they should do is they should do a book called Races and just do a, a big tome, 60 books, $60, book, just with all the races, up playable races to this point. Races, volume one. Yeah, that's class, what I Volume one. And then in classes, all of the subclasses as well. Yeah, so, and, so instead of having, like, the books that have all this different information, now it's just their specific resources. Yeah. Here's all the races, here's all the classes, here's all the weapons, yeah. here's all the... And they and now, didn't one of the versions do that, where they were just kind of a bunch of little books, like, three-hole-punched? Yeah, which, which version did that? Oh, that's Pathfinder? Yeah, that's what Pathfinder does, basically. So what I'm saying is, they don't need to re-release a book sandwich. Do you, do you agree or not agree with me? They do not need to re-release the rules and the the how do you play D and D that's in the player's handbook. Yeah, no, and that's my point. My point is that it makes no sense for them to do that if they want to do something that is useful. I guess, for lack of a better expression, if they want to do something that that is like a, a book like you're suggesting, I'm a hundred percent behind it. And that is do races volume one, all the races that have been playable races that have been released up till now, maybe you fleshed them out a little deeper than you have, because you know, some of the races in the player's handbook were altered by things that were released after the fact. So you get all of that information in one place, rather than having to look for it in two or three places, classes, same thing. You get classes and then inside the class, you get the subclasses and then you get more descriptive and you broaden out the subclasses a little bit because you know that every piece of everything that has come out for fifth edition, uh, almost all of them at this point have had some sort of subclass for something. Mm -hmm. And so the point is, is yes, you maybe you haven't gotten a whole bunch of new classes, but you've got a shit ton of subclasses. 
And so maybe under rogue, maybe, uh, you know, the rogue section in a book called classes has, you know, has rogue. And then it has the 38 subclasses of rogue uh, fleshed out better with a little more rules and so on and so forth. And, and there you go. Well, this is running, this is running long. So real quick, before we wrap up the D and D segment, Goodman games is the one that's doing the original adventures reincarnated. So, oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, Goodman okay. Games. And so, in, like I said, uh, Into the Borderlands is basically the keep on the Borderlands. And then you got... Um, like three in there. Isn't well, it it's like three modules? Yeah, it's, it's not just the keep on the Borderlands, but it starts with the keep on the Borderlands. And then you've got, uh, you know, the Lost City and Castle Amber and the Isle of Dread and Expedition to Barrier Peaks is in here. So, so I mean, it, they're taking those classic ones and, and probably, again, you know, they were labeled like, you know, keep on the Borderlands was B2, right? So there was probably B3, B4. Scott is desperately scribbling notes so that he can make sure he gets that book. Yeah. Yeah. So he can have all those classic modules at his beck and call. Yes. So let's, uh, all right. So I think that's going to wrap up D&D here. Going to wrap up the show. What else do we have? All right. Well, we need to go to break. Let's take a break. We have something in the truck sandwich that we could talk about in, in, this, this was the segment too. I thought <laughs> we just didn't take a break in the middle. It's D and D warriors that terrify. It's D and D. And with that, Mr. Sandwich, Mr. Scott, and special guest East Coast Scott making his world premiere on Geek Stuff TNG, uh, we will take our first and only break on this episode of Geek Stuff TNG episode. 652 three three damn it you weren't here last well, week though you for 52 yeah so there we go i'm still a week behind uh episode 653 the one that does not have a name oh let's just call it east coast scott east coast scott uh and we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back yeah We need to get the word out that the listeners can be involved with Geek Stuff TNG directly by using our GVM line. 201-730-2547. Hmm. Maybe we could use our seductive voices? Huh? Our what? All right. Here. Let's read these lines in our most seductive voices. Like this. <clears throat> hey there. We want you to be a part of Geek Stuff TNG with your questions and your hmm comments. Oh, <clears throat> that's right. We want you to tell us what's hmm on your mind, what we are doing that you <laughs> like. <coughs> So call us on the GVM line, 201-730-2547, and you may hear yourself uh, on an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff TNG. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? Okay, here we go. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. 
Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com and also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Potter and Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. It's called the PieCast because we got married on Pie Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. At Pie Day Family. And my new Twitter handle is at Pie Day Scott. Check us out. Build your own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars Saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. Here's another geek stuff blast from the past. Okay, I'm just going to go for it. Hello, it's Karen Gillan here, and you're listening to Big Kev's Geek Stuff. Hey guys, this is uh, Travis Likens of UVD Toys, longtime listener, first time caller. I uh, just wanted to comment on the uh, Hasbro situation. Uh, while I do agree it's uh, 100% unacceptable for a $350 item, uh, to have, you know, these kind of flaws that make it unable to stand and do all that kind of stuff. I do want to toss out that uh, the comments on the collecting the money up front and then holding it for a year and collecting all the interest, uh, I do think there is a slight flaw in that comment. Um, typically, the factories do not work in that manner. Uh, so they would have to put down a deposit, which is roughly uh, usually 60 to 70% of uh, total production costs. Now, Hasbro then would still be sitting on a, a large amount of money because you got to assume that their, um, you know, their process is to gather at a retail type pricing. So the, you know, the unit cost is much lower than that. But, uh, you know, th- them sitting on that full amount of money is, is in miss, is probably a misaccurate statement. Um, but I do agree that uh, the product at that price point should not have the flaws that that toy has. I also agree that Hasbro tends to give us a lot of awesome-looking stuff that doesn't always work out the same. Uh, the Power Rangers Lightning Collection is uh, another great example of that outside of the um, Star Wars and Marvel stuff that's been talked about. But uh, great conversation, guys. Love hearing everything you guys have to say. Uh, but did want to point out that one flaw in the uh, the costing. Um, but uh, if, uh, you know, if you guys ever need anything toy-wise, let me know, uvdtoys.com. Thank you. Bye. Live from the sandwich shop, Pi Day Productions in sunny Southern California and East Coast Scott's Department of Love. It's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, hear it from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is in 118th scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your three and three quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details, like the, tow- like the Proton Torpedo Bay, working engine lights, 
and a lighter bar to D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S foils open into attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing, and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do-do-do-do-do-do premium offer. You get one eighteen scale hangar accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including ground crew members, and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get four full-color magazines featuring instructions for the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies, and more. You can collect these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions. And I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month, as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildexum.com or reach them by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. Nicely done. My entire family decides to have in-depth conversations right outside my door, and it's really difficult to talk and do a read when, did you brush your teeth yet? Did you pack your book bag for school in the morning? Shut up. The sandwiches room Shut is up. really the heart of the sandwich house, and that's you know, uh, apparently that's where the gathering apparently. place. As usual. Um uh so yes, well done, sandwich. Uh and let's uh let's address Travis. Um Travis, give us a call back and uh let us know. I couldn't decipher what your what your website was. It sounded like DVD toys or DD toys or something. It sounds like WB. Is that what you heard? I don't. I want to promote the guy because I, I I think his phone call was great. So I want to make sure that we're promoting the guy. So give us a call or drop us uh, uh, a note at the uh, email. Geeksftng at gmail.com. There you go. Or you can call us back at uh, GVM line 201-730-2547. Yes. And uh, yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll like to, I'd like to say I agree with Travis um, mostly. Um, the one thing I would say though, is, is that I, I, I wonder that Hasbro being the, one of the biggest toy companies in the world is not shelling out 50% of the production costs before they run something. I just don't think that, I mean, if it was like, you know, like NECA or well, not even NECA because they're pretty huge at this point. It was like Dime Novel Legends or like, you know, one of the like the Four Horsemen. That is a good example. Um, I can understand where they might be having to shell out a good deal of that money up front. I just don't imagine Hasbro plays ball the same way that smaller companies play ball. That's that's just my opinion. Um and when you're uh, worth $11 billion of whatever Hasbro's worth, um, I have a feeling that the, the, the deal might be slightly different with them. But that, that aside, um, I don't disagree with, with what Travis said. And I think the important point uh, that Travis made or that he agreed with is the fact that a $350 action figure should be able to stand. Fair. 
<laughs> that's the best point there is. And why on earth there hasn't been a class action lawsuit filed yet, I don't know. You know, like, I really don't. I mean, this seems like a perfectly legit reason for a class action lawsuit. Can you put out a toy? And, you know, they have, they've had, um, not only have they had uh, sort of written descriptions, they've had photographic descriptions of this toy for over a year in various poses. Um, the description of which uh, says that he's fully posable and so on and so forth. And it's all evidence to the fact that they clearly cheaped out on this joint and they are not able to follow through with the promise that they made that the figure would be able to, I don't know, stand and pose. So it seems to me like that would be the perfect avenue for a class action lawsuit against Hasbro. I don't know. So, well, we want to thank Travis for calling in on the GVM line. 201-730-2547. See that East Coast Scott? He's like Pavlov's dog. Mm -hmm. Just gets right in there with the phone number every time. Watch GVM line 201-730-2547. And you may hear yourself on an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff TNG, just like Travis. Uh, right. East Coast. Uh, no, West Coast, Scott. Uh, what else do we got? So just I want to do a little bit of product. We lost some of the product uh, discussion in the end of last episode. And that was what inspired Dom to do uh, Princess Bride on the sandwich shop last week. Did you oh. see the McFarlane Princess Bride figures? Saw and ordered. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I what I said last time uh, that, that got lost was uh, I would say Princess Bride is my favorite movie. The sword fight between you know Wesley and Inigo is probably my favorite scene in any movie. I could watch that over and over and over again. So yeah, at the very least those two. And so I made the comment around my house that hopefully Santa Claus uh, brings these to me. I've been a very good West Coast Scott uh, all year. So uh, hopefully I will have mine. Oh, 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 and then I did this, Santa baby. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, they they are uh, wonderful. I think they look great. I think uh, the Santa the Santa Claus in West Coast Scott's house is getting me coal this year. <laughs> no, we just we just picked up Santa Claus. Just brought Kev the the Halloween the new Halloween Astro Mac from Disneyland oh. Park exclusive. So you're oh. you're still you're still in good graces. Santa Oof. doesn't have the problem with you. It's Mrs. Claus. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. true. But no, you're, you're, you're you, doing uh, fine. Though, since, since you brought that up, I will tell you a couple of things. One, I'm very happy they did Andre as a deluxe. And even though he's a little bit more expensive, I think it works. I don't like his likeness. In fact, I don't like any of the likenesses. But I, I don't know that they're final yet. It seems to me that what we're seeing is still protos. So I, what I'm hoping is that maybe some more revision will come and, and we'll get something that looks a little bit better. I'm hoping, I doubt it, but I'm hoping that's the case. I'll tell you where the big fail is here, Scott. Maybe you'll agree with me. Is that they did not include sword hands for both hands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. They yeah. did not include sword hands for left and right. Why is that important, Dom? You just watched the movie. Why is that important? Because they both start left-handed, and it's like, I have something to tell you. I'm right-handed. Oh, I have something to tell you. I'm also right-handed. <laughs> I'm not left-handed, is the line. Well, I know, but I, I did the quick bit of it. Yes. I don't remember yeah, the exact the quick line. Bit. The quick, yeah. inaccurate bit, yes. So uh, uh, they did not include, at least to this point, 
they have not announced. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I number one sandwich? Is that yes? My number one best friend. Um, so uh they have not announced up until this point um that they're going to do that, but I have heard that criticism from more than one person. So I'm wondering if that and the likenesses are things that they can work on before they come out. Kind of hoping they do, but not going to say no. I have, uh, I'm pretty sure I have the NECA figure of the Dread Pirate Robert somewhere in my collection, somewhere uh, in the product archive. Maybe we'll come across it in the next few weeks um, and, uh, and sell it. Um, but I'm very excited that McFarland has this. I also hope, Scott, I don't know how you feel about this, uh, West Coast Scott. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm hoping this isn't a one-off. I mean, I want the six-fingered man. I want, uh, Miracle you know, Max I, want, and, uh, I don't and know if wife. I want, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they went to a third series, yeah, but I want the six-fingered man. I want Fizzini, you know, I want, uh, yeah, yeah, I see. I mean, I guess, I guess, Mirror. I'm trying to think of what other characters I would want. Humperdinck. Yeah, you got to have Humperdinck. Um, the 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 guy that runs the Pit of Despair. I can't think of his name. The the albino, right? The albino. Yeah. The albino. No, that would be series three. Well, I, I mean, six. You gotta have. You gotta have six fingered man. You gotta have Fazzini. You gotta have Humperdinck. Who's the four, who who is the fourth most important character in, in you know that hasn't been made at that point? Um, the 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 Reverend the carrying them. Grandpa. Oh, Grandpa and the kid in, in a the, two the, pack. The, the twin pack, yeah. Only only if it comes like with, with like a like a little playset of some kind. I don't even know if I want that. That seems weird. Um, but I don't know. I guess I at think. that point you're probably doing Miracle Max, right? But then if you, you're doing you, Miracle you do the Max, four you do the four white horses they rode off on. Yeah. And ROUS. What's that? And an ROUS. And an ROUS. Yeah, that yeah. There you go. An ROUS. Even if you did an ROUS as uh like you know, you could do a battle damaged Wesley with the hood off and the damage, and an R.O.U.S. with them, that would be interesting. That would be good. That would be a way they could get Wesley back in the line, you know, rather than having to go to Miracle Max. They could do a battle-damaged Wesley. That might be something they could do. I don't know. I'm just kind of hoping that it's not – I hope it's not a one-off. I hope they they go they, a little – They could do a Dread Pirate Andre. <laughs> just put Andre in the giant. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get the regular one and a big cloak and a wheelbarrow. A wheelbarrow, yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was yeah, that was really exciting and kind of. I know they, I know that they had acquired the license, but you know the figures kind of coming, being announced and being like right to pre-order was a really nice uh, was a really nice surprise. And again, I. I hope they're not in their final form, but I'm gonna get them either way. I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the, when I'm looking on Entertainment Earth where you pre-order them, I mean, it's it shows packaged and everything. It shows what the package yeah. looks like, so that leads me to believe that they would have to redesign the package if they're gonna add an extra set of hands. So I, I think they're probably done. Well, 
I don't think we're going to get, maybe we, you know, maybe they'll do a deluxe set or something, a two pack deluxe set, the dual that has both hands. I don't know, but I'm just, I'm just thinking that that, I think that's a shortcoming on their part there. You know, that's what I think. Well, sandwich comment. I got a question because I've been thinking about this ever since the Umbrella Academy figures were released and we saw that. How much does the likeness matter to a collector? How much does the likeness actually matter to you? Do you like if the mold is fantastic and it has all these accessories, but the head is shite? How much does that affect the buy for you? Depends on the scale. Like say say they did they did these these figures. They had all the hands you wanted. They had all the accessories needed, but the right. face was shit. How do you feel about this figure? It, it, it I, I suppose it depends on the license and the scale. So in this case, it's six inch, seven seven inch scale. Um, it matters. It matters. It, it matters. Is it gonna in this particular license? Is it gonna matter to me? Probably not. Probably mm-hmm. not gonna matter to me in the long run. Um, I want them. There will be no other ones. So if I don't get these, there'll be none. Um, kind of, that's one way of looking at it. But, you know, I have slowly, as you know, Sandwich, as a master of the product archive, I have slowly been transitioning to one sixth scale. Yes. My collection. So I have a one sixth scale, Wesley, from Quantum Mechanics from QMX. Um, which isn't great, I have to say, as far as the likeness goes, but his head being covered with a mask and everything else, it works. So it's okay. But I'm, I'm far less forgiving for likenesses the larger you go mm-hmm. and more forgiving the smaller you go. So when you get down into four inch, like, I like a, I'd like to have a great likeness on four inch Star Wars figures, but I know that isn't going to happen. I would like to have a decent likeness on six inch Star Wars figures. And that has begun to happen. The, the photo reel technology that Hasbro has been employing the last year or two, um, I think has given significant uh, betterment to the six inch line, not only the six inch line of Star Wars, but the six inch MCU line, um, the stuff specifically from the movies. I think those have looked better. Um, and so I, I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for that. And then you go up to 12 inch figures where I'm like, if it doesn't look like they chopped the head off of the person in the photo, then I really have to question, you know, the quality of the company and so on and so forth. I do buy third party products. We've discussed it on the show. Those would be unlicensed um, products from blind uh, lawyer. What's that? Blind lawyer. Blind lawyer, yeah, very good, very good. Hero lawyer, I think, is what it's called. Hero but lawyer, yeah, that, that's that's exactly, yeah, you're exactly correct. Dark spider, you know, like, yeah, um, and and again, a lot of times in those cases when it's third party stuff, you're not getting the best licenses. But companies like Hot Toys, some of their licenses are scary good. I I I defy you to right now Google or go to sideshow.com and look up Iron Patriot, which they just, Hot Toys just released Iron Patriot. Look at the Don Cheadle head that comes with Iron Patriot. It will frighten you how much it looks like Don Cheadle. Like it's frightening. And I like that. I like that level of, uh, that level of, uh, of, now they don't get that right 
that right all the time. I don't think the Michael J. Fox, uh, the new Michael J. Fox um, uh, head for Marty McFly, I don't think looks that great. I don't think it looks like it. they popped it off of Michael J. Fox. You know, like, I, I wish it did. but They just kind of shook it loose? I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm sorry. Wow. And with that, folks, we're going to bring this episode of Geeks of TNG to, to a close, episode 653. Wow. Wow, Scott. Oh, and Scott killed. Wow. Scott, you're <laughs> supposed to be the good one. I'm just supposed to, Hey, I'm sorry. You're supposed to keep us on the tracks. Not you were the chosen one. one. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to bring the balance to the Forget force. it. Forget it, West Coast Scott. I have the high ground. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, all right. So I know I threw things completely off, but, but before we run out of time, what about the uh, NECA, Quint, and Hooper over at Entertainment so, Earth? Yeah. So I looked at them. I like them. I'm not in love with them. Again, that's another issue where, so we're talking about roughly a six inch Mego style figure with you know real clothes and everything else and it's kind of like it's the poor you know you, you know you, you can say this either way uh, either migo is the poor man's 112 uh, 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 um, like the poor man's mezco 112 or the mezco 112 is the rich man's migo uh, either way you look at it there i don't i don't know that these come up to snuff for me with regards to jaws if they do roy scheider I might get the set just to have the set because I don't think I have, I don't have other than that old McFarlane uh, Orca display. I don't have any, I don't have any jaws, anything in my collection. I don't think uh, I thought I had popped. Maybe, one. No, you have like, no, did you get rid of the one? We, we, we had some, did we? We had some, some. I don't know if you kept them. Were they pops? No, they were like, it was like a little they were like figures. Like, Three, I oh. think it might have been three and three quarter. Were they re- re- reaction? Were they the reaction figures? I don't remember. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I would I would be more apt to get rid of reaction and get the ones that Scott's talking about, those these new Mego style uh, uh, figures. I'd be more apt to get those. But again, they're kind of right now, they're kind of on the fence, you know. Like I don't know if I don't know if they'll exactly fit the bill or not. And since nobody has done any sort of 12 inch on them, uh, which I don't understand how no one has done a 12, no third party has done a 12 inch figure from Jaws. I don't get it. Um, uh, You know, it it may be, if I'm going to have anything Jaws in my collection, that may be the thing, but I don't know. I'm going to wait and see what, uh, if they put out Chief Brody and see what he looks like. Chief Brody and the shark. One presumes the shark, right? Yeah. It's got to be at some point. Like, if you're gonna do a draws line, you don't do the shark. Are you doing a draws line? Yeah, but I don't see how they work that. And what would be, you know, how would you display that? The shark is on land. Like, I, I, I don't know. You, you coming get, out of you the water. The, you do the thing you do with figures, and maybe you have either like a head or you have the, the figure, and you, you can do have like a Mego style orca ship. God, that would be you big like and expensive if it's big enough for those. I mean, if it's in scale with the figures, that would be way too big and expensive. I mean, that doesn't, doesn't stop anybody. How about yeah? But how about in relative scale? You know, or I mean, you, they you could you could make a display for the three characters yeah. that is just part of the deck of the orca 
with the shark yeah. coming out, and then that's a separate piece that yeah, you get you ahead of the that. shark. You could do that, but this is what I'm. This that's what I'm saying. Wait, like, wait till the Haslab when <laughs> we get the whole orca. Only two thousand yeah. dollars. Is, is there a Neca Lab? <laughs> Neca Lab. No, no, there's no Neca Lab because they're not trying to rip people off. The whole so no, orca. No it's the lab. it's the size of one of those small toy mobile cars you put kids in. And <laughs> this one to one scale of the orca can be yours <laughs> on the new on the new Neca Neca Lab. <laughs> Neca Lab. They're just selling boats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's it just one boat please <laughs> we only, they only have one they only have one back this yeah you need one one backer to buy one boat and they're done that's it anything else we need to cover no i think that we can uh, we can wrap up this uh this right there wonderful episode that that's going on, on a high note so social medias well, well let's uh, let's to... let's take it to the social medias, right? Be sure and uh, that you're following the show on the social medias, right? Facebooks, Twitter, Instagram. It's Geek Stuff TNG. Kev posts lots of great stuff on the Facebook. I try to keep the uh, Twitter opened up. And then Dom, are you in charge of Instagram? Do you ever post anything on? Uh... Oh, I see. You know, guys, he's, away. he's hiding. He's hiding. You know, there's so much dust in this room. I should really clean this better. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll get the Instagram going too. Um, but also, wherever you find the, the actual podcast, like and leave a positive review. Share it with your friends. Uh, we re- really appreciate that. And in addition, you can reach out to us if you want to interact with the show by calling the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Or send us an email. At geeksoftng at gmail.com. And as we said at the top of the show, support us on Patreon. We really appreciate our Patreons. That's patreon.com forward slash geekstufftng where for a dollar a month you can join the discord server and chat with us for three dollars a month you get the early bird special you get the episodes on tuesday night or wednesday morning for five dollars a month not only do you get the sandwich shop the bonus show but you get vintage episodes of big kev geek stuff twice a month on the first and the 15th and then for ten dollars a month you can watch us work our way through these wonderful episodes live on instagram yep it's like a free train wreck every week every week (laughs) The Little Rascals do a podcast. Yes. So uh, let's uh, let's have our guest give his social media before we uh, before we do ours. Uh, East Coast Scott, would you like to share any uh, contact info? Oh yeah, let's see. Um, if you go to, I'm going to share Amazon once again, like we did at the beginning. Uh, you can find any of my novel novels, including Wasteland Wasteland Blues, a post-apocalypse novel, um, Believer, a novel about cults, Twelve Little Hitlers, which is probably my favorite um and lloyd kaufman wrote a wonderful review of it as well lloyd kaufman of trauma films um just scott christian carr pop that in the search on amazon and you'll see tons of novels and stories and magazines that i've published in and thank you guys it was an absolute pleasure being a guest tonight we're gonna have we're gonna have East Coast Scott joining us at New York Comic Con as well. So uh, stop by and and say hi to him and me in the sandwich as well. And on that note, let's talk about what this program looks like the next two weeks. Uh, there will be no show next week because Sandwich and I will be preparing the fi- the final. Well, so we we've already prepared. We're all set up. It's now just initiating um, everything for Con because, like oh. Kev said. We've set this up months and weeks oh, yeah. in advance. Months, months in advance. We, 
the the planning for this is you know for Comic Con every year. Started in 2020. Yes. We are so, so ready. It's not even funny. We so we laugh because of how much prep went into this. Unbelievable. It's like I can rest easily because we have nothing to do. Yes. Um, there will be no show next week because we will be putting the final touches on that preparation. Um, and uh, uh, but Sandwich and I will attempt to, to do some recording at Comic Con. We which don't know we what that looks like yet. Send, which we will then send to West Coast Scott, who theoretically will cobble together some sort of show out of it, which will be available the following week. Um, when we don't have a show because we're recovering from New York Comic Con. So there you go. Um, don't forget you Sandwich can on the hear scene. The sandwich you can hear the, the despair. <laughs> What's that? What's that, uh, Scott? I said don't forget Sandwich on the scene. We need to have Sandwich live and direct from New York Comic Con. Sandwich on the scene. Sandwich on the scene. We should, we should find out if we can do production for that. Uh, just like sandwich on the scene and that's it no it should well, be like we just got it like right it. there that's it I will have that stinger sandwich on the scene thank you it should be like 10 10 wins you know like sandwich and with that West Coast Scott our special guest East Coast Scott and Mr. Sandwich we will bring this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 653, the one we're calling East Coast Scott, to a close, the way we end some shows by saying... Good night, OG. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music. Slaving at work, now I'm gonna dress up like a Captain Kirk uh -uh -uh. Beat me up tonight, yeah I can't wait till you're right beside me Like a gold bikini layer or a poison ivy uh -uh. It's gonna be tight, oh
and a droid and a hobbit and an Ewok. Uh uh. Good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. <laughs>